Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would anoint my tongue, Father, to speak the things concerning your kingdom. We thank you for being in this atmosphere, Father. I ask that you would anoint every student, Father, every one of your children that are here, oh Father, anoint them to receive the word, Father. I ask that you will reset every mind, refocus every mind, oh Father, to bring them to a place of clarity, oh Father. We bind every spirit, every thought, oh Father, that it is not like you, oh Father, every thought that that is trying to drive us into depression, that is trying to, to drive us into suicide, oh Father, every thought, oh Father, that is trying to make us give up, trying to make us quit, Father, we reject it right now, and we receive your pure word, we receive your love right now in Jesus' name, amen. No love lost. Now, this passage of scripture is Jesus talking. You have to know that this is passage of scripture is Jesus speaking and no one had a better relationship with the father. No one understood the father like he did. In his ministry, the whole purpose of his ministry was to do what? Reveal the father to us. He came to give us the exact relationship that he had with the father on earth. He came to give us that relationship. He came to, to put us in a position to be reconciled back to the Father. His whole purpose of going to the cross was because the Father wanted children. His whole purpose of having a ministry is to reveal the Father to us. That's why in his teaching, in his preaching, in his own very own prayers, he told us to what? Worship the Father. He told us to pray to the Father. He told us that if we prayed, that if we gave, he told us that if we fasted, that the Father would reward us. He told us that the Father, it pleased the Father to give, it pleased the Father to give us the kingdom. So the kingdom of God is not for church members. The kingdom is not monopolized by a ministry. Jesus said it pleased the Father to give us the kingdom. So it pleased him as the role of a father to give his children the kingdom. The kingdom of God is for his children. It is not again, I say it again, it is not for church members. It is for his children. And the truth be told, you can't get the kingdom until you become a child. The disciples asked Jesus, they said, who is the greatest in the kingdom? And first thing he did was pull a child to the side and said, this is the greatest in the kingdom. What? A child. So you have to become a child to get the kingdom. He told Nicodemus that if you are not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You have to be born again. On Wednesday nights, we're teaching a series called In Adam Versus In Christ. Letting people get an understanding that there are two families in heaven that there are two families in earth that heaven recognized. You are either in Adam or you are in Christ. Once you to get in, you are naturally born in Adam. When you came out of your mother's birth canal through human seed, you are automatically placed in the family of Adam. You have to be born again to get into the family of Christ. 
Once you are in the family of Christ, you are God's child. God loves you unconditionally. His whole goal now is to raise you to be who he predestined you to be. And so this is the agenda of Jesus, even in his teaching, even in his preachings while he, were on, while he was on earth. And so in Luke chapter 15, verse, verse 11, he tells a parable. And it says, a certain man, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, Give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Now, what I want, want you to see here is that Jesus said a certain man. A certain man. He doesn't tell us who the man is because it is a parable. He said he had two sons. Now, traditionally, when you read this story, it focuses on one son. Matter of fact, the heading of your Bible says the prodigal son. So it only points to one son. But Jesus said a certain man had two sons. And it said the younger son came to him and said, Father, give me what belongs to me. Give me my inheritance. Now, it was letting us know that the younger did it because youth represents immaturity. The scripture said that not only did he give the younger, but he also gave the older because the scripture says that so he divided to them their livelihood. He gave both of them their inheritance. Now, what I want you to understand is this. It is part of God's so loving us that he allows us to make mistakes. He needs us to see how much we need him. Even in the beginning, uh, even in the Old Testament, the Bible says from Adam to Moses, there was no law. He allowed man to live under no jurisdiction to understand that if I leave you to yourself, all you can do is, 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 is be wicked. All you can do is be foul. All you can do is sin if I leave you to yourself. Then when it came time to give the law, he gave the law to Moses, we found out this, that even with the law, we couldn't change. <laughs> the law could only tell us you're wrong, but it couldn't change you. So even in Jesus' teaching, he was letting us know that the father, watch this, the father could have said no. When the younger son came to him and asked for his inheritance, the father could have said no. But he didn't. Why? Because he needs us to see that we need to mature in him and we need to be under his advisement at all times. Verse 13 says this. This is my proof. It says, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together. He took all of his things. He took his inheritance. And he journeyed to a far country. And there, 
wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Verse 14 says, but when he had spent all, there arose a famine in the land and he began to want. So the father gave him his inheritance. He left his father's presence. He left his father's kingdom. He left the church and he decided he was gonna take his inheritance, he was gonna take everything that the father had for him and he was gonna do with it what he wanted to. How many of y'all know God doesn't stop us from doing what we wanna do at all? Why? Sometimes you need to hit rock bottom. In growing up, how many of us, when we hit our teenage years, we thought we knew more than our parents? <laughs> All of us. I got some right now. But after a while, they learn. I don't know more than you. Why? Because they end up hitting a brick wall. And this is what he hit. He hit a brick wall. The scripture says, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to want. Verse 15 says this. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the field to feed the swine. Now, he was a king's son. He left the kingdom. He took his inheritance. He blew his inheritance. After he blew his inheritance, he was so shamed that he stayed in the country. He joined as a citizen to another country. And that country did what? Sent him into the field to work. In his father's kingdom, he had everything he needed. Verse 16 says, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Now, pods, pods, <coughs> pods. Pods were a sweet fruit that they used to fatten swine. But the fruit was also known and it was classified as a fruit that only the lower class people would eat. <laughs> the Bible said he had hit such a situation that he gladly ate food that the swine ate. He gladly ate as if he was a lower class, but watch this, all the time, all this whole time, while he's with the pigs, his status never changed. His status never changed in his father's eyes. When he asked for his inheritance, he was the king's son. When he left and went on a journey, he was the king's son. When he wasted all of his money, when he wasted all of his inheritance, he was still the king's son. When he joined to another country, he was still the king's son. When he was sent out in the field to work, he was out in the field working as what? A king's son. 
So his position never changed. What changed was his mindset. What am I saying? Your mistakes are based on your mindset. When we are welcome into the family of the Christ, into the family of Christ, the scripture said that we are made right in God's eyes. How many of y'all know that that position never changes? <laughs> what changes is our mindset. Verse 17, it's the good part. What that first line say? Oh, come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Come on. <clears throat> what does it say? But when he came to himself, when he realized, when he got an epiphany, what did he say? How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. When he came to himself, when he realized who his when he realized who his father was, he said, How many of my father's servants? He didn't say have food to eat, he said they have bread to spare. Now this is what I want you to get out of this. How many of God's children realize that the that the Old Testament saints were not God's children. Abraham was not God's child. Moses was not God's child. Solomon was not God's child. And Solomon is recorded in the Bible as being the richest man to ever live on this earth. So how do we look at our situations, being God's children, one day we got to come to a realization that God's servants in the Old Testament live better than us. Why? Because while we are king's sons, while we are the king's son, while we are the king's children, we don't have that mindset. We don't have the mindset that we are God's children. We have a mindset that we are God's servants. Come on, y'all. You want to be a servant, not a son. You want to be a servant, not a daughter. You would rather serve God than be his child. That is the condition of the church today. We are more focused on what we can do for him than understanding what he has already done for us. Verse 15, I mean verse 18 says this, I will arise and go to my father. Meaning, he is going to turn his heart, he has turned his heart where? Back towards the Father. He said, I will arise and go to my Father, and I will say to him, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Repentance. He's in a state of repentance. He has turned his heart back to the Father. He, he arrived, he said, I'm going to go back to my Father, and he says, I'm going to say this to my Father. I have sinned against you. I have sinned against heaven, meaning I have sinned against your kingdom, and I have sinned against who you are towards me. Verse 19. 
Then he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. <laughs> Somebody say false humility. <laughs> false humility. He said, I have sinned against heaven and you and in the sight of you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. This is his mindset. Why is this his mindset? Because he know he has made a mistake. He know that he has failed. He know that he has done wrong. So now he wants to return to his father as a servant. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me. How can you make somebody a servant who was born to be a king's child? You can't. So what am I saying? You couldn't be a servant. You couldn't lose your, your king status. You couldn't lose your, 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 the DNA of God in you even if you wanted to. We lose out because of what? Our mindset. We don't realize, we don't recognize who we are. And as soon as we make a mistake, the devil comes in, he creeps in, and he does what he is best at doing, accusing us, throwing accusations out there, making us feel low, making us feel unwanted, saying stuff to us that what? The father didn't say. Like we talked about when we talked about perfecting, uh, perfecting love. The, God said that perfect love should cast out fear. So if you are afraid of anything, you should know this. That's not my father's voice. If you feel terrified about anything, that's not my father's presence. That's Satan. That's an enemy of your soul. That's jealous because, watch this, he's jealous because he could never be God's child. He's jealous because he could never come into the Father's presence and be known as one of his anymore. So his job is to throw monkey wrenches in the plan of God by speaking to y'all, by speaking to us and getting us to agree with his foolishness. And as soon as we agree with what? His foolishness and what he says, his word becomes our faith. Mm. So this is his mindset. The son's mindset is this. I am no longer worthy to be called your son and make me like one of your hired servants. Verse 20 says this. And he arose and came to his father. Now, when he arose and came to his father, he foreseen the return to his father, but what he did not foresee is the father's love. So he arose and came to his father. Watch this. This is the good part. But when he was still a great Way off, his father saw him and had compassion 
and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So he's coming back into the presence of his father wanting to be a servant. But the scripture said when he arose and came to his father, it says that when he was a great way off. So the father didn't wait till he got to the front door. He didn't wait till he approached his throne. Soon as he hit the city limits, the scripture said the father saw him, which means what? He was waiting. He was looking for him. He wanted him back. And then it said he had compassion. Now this is Jesus telling the story. So if this is Jesus telling you the story, he's doing what? He's revealing the father. He had compassion. Then the scripture says that he ran. See, see, he ran. <laughs> he ran. He didn't walk. It said he ran. With his compassion, he ran. Then it said he I don't even know how this look. He fell on his neck. <laughs> love. No love lost. Now, then it said, and he kissed him. <laughs> no love lost. This is how the Father feels about us in our indiscretions. This is how he feels about us in our failures. We have how the child felt about the relationship, but now we see what? How the Father felt about the relationship. In the next verse, we're about to see the son present his mindset to the father. Then after that, we're going to see how the father presents his mindset to the child. Y'all ready? Verse 21. I already said that. And the son said to him, to the father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So what is the son's mindset? I have sinned against heaven. I've sinned against your kingdom. I have sinned in your sight. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. This is the son's mindset. This is our mindset. When we fail, when we fall, when we go wayward. Verse 22. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. So the son came to the father and said, I sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you, and I'm no longer worthy to call, be called your son. 
You got to get this. What did the father say to him? Huh? He didn't say nothing. <laughs> he didn't even acknowledge his mindset. Instead, the scriptures say he turned to the servants and said, one, one version of the Bible says, he said, quickly, get this boy a robe, get him some rings on his fingers, and get him some sandals. What is he trying to do? He wants to restore him. He didn't even acknowledge his thought process. What is Jesus telling us here? You wasting your time thinking like that. What is he letting us know? While you're sitting here thinking that God don't want to have nothing to do with you because you failed, he said, God ignoring you. Why? Because he can't lie. He can only speak truth. And Jesus is letting us know what? The heart of the Father. So the child's mindset is, I don't want, I don't think I'm worthy. The father's mindset is bring out the best robe. He didn't say, you know what, bring out one of the least of the robes and let him earn the best. He didn't say, you're going to have to earn these rings, boy. He didn't say, let him walk around with no sandals in shame until he earn them. That's not his mindset. His mindset is, I, I need to restore my child to understanding how much I love him. Verse 23. Oh, this really going to get you. Then he says, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be married. So he said, get the finest choices of meat, kill it, get, go get the best, kill it, let's eat it and be merry. So you mean to tell me that the father celebrated him? He celebrated the change in his mindset, but did not acknowledge the discretion, the indiscretion. This is your father. This is your father. Watch this. He said, verse 24, for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to be merry or celebrate. Now, the father states that the son was dead and now he and he was dead and he was lost. And now he is alive and he is found. Figuratively, the father is speaking to the condition of our soul towards him. Dead is your heart. You're dead when your heart turns away from the father. You're lost when your mind turns away from the father. And the reason why, because your mind is the entrance into your soul and your heart is the, is the outpouring of your soul. So your heart reveals the condition of your soul.
That's why the Bible tells us that we need what? The mind of who? Christ. This whole passage of scripture is Jesus revealing the mind of Christ. He's letting us know how the Father feels about us. But we have another son. This is the younger son. This is the son who took his inheritance and left the kingdom. But now we have another son who, who got his inheritance and stayed in the kingdom. So we have a son that left the church and came back. Then we have a son that was in the church. Look at this mindset. Verse 27. Verse 25 says, Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, What does these things mean? Verse 27. And the servant said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fattened calf. But watch this. Verse 28. But he was angry and would not go in. So he was mad that the father was celebrating the son that had came back. This happens in the church. <laughs> so look at the father's behavior. Therefore, the father came out and pleaded with him. Why? Because God's first love is being a father, not being right. That might be your biological father. <laughs> God's first love is being a father. It is not being right. Verse 29. So he answered, and he said to the father, this is the older son talking, he says, Lo, these many years I have been serving you, his works. And, and I never transgress your commandment at any time. So what is the young brother, the older brother doing? He's more focused on his works and a religious mindset. I've been in church all the time. I paid my tithes. I gave my offering. I've never done anything wrong. And when that boy go out there, watch this. Verse 30, but as soon, well, let me finish verse 29. Says, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. So I've been in the house doing everything that you asked me to do, and you have never given me the fatty calf. It's haters in the church. Verse 30, but as soon as this son of yours came, he didn't say my brother. 
Soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots. Now, I didn't read nowhere in the scripture where it said that he was with harlots. <laughs> I guess he knew his brother. <laughs> he says, as soon as he... He has devoured your livelihood with harlots. You killed the fatted calf for him? Verse 31. And the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. What was he telling them? The fatty calf been sitting out there the whole time. <laughs> All you had to do was tell one of the servants to do what I told one of the servants. Go get the fatty calf and kill it so that I can celebrate with my friends. He's letting him know, you've been in this position the whole time. You just didn't know it. Which brings me to the question, why is this boy out in the field? Why is he out in the field? I'm going to tell you why. The same reason why we are, because we think that it's our works. We think our works is what get us stuff from him. But Jesus said, this is your work. Believe on the one he sent. He said, that's the only work you got. That is your only work. This is your only job. Believe on the one whom he sent. Verse 32. The father continually talking. He said, it was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead. Meaning he abandoned the relationship and now he is alive again, meaning he's back in the fellowship. He was lost and now he is found meaning he was in the kingdom of darkness. He was living in darkness. Now he's back to living in light. That is what the father celebrates. Now, this whole passage of scripture in Luke 15, because as you notice, we, start in, we started in verse 11. This whole passage of scripture came about, CC, because the Pharisees impeded on Jesus' progress in the kingdom by shunning him because he was eating with sinners. This is the third parable in the pa this passage of scripture. As a matter of fact, that's homework. Go home and read Luke chapter 15 seven times. Because you need to get this. The first parable was the parable of a lost sheep. And Jesus said, if you had a hundred sheep and you lost one, would you not put those hundred sheep to the side and go search for one? What is Jesus doing? He is revealing to us the heart of the Father. He's not impressed with the numbers. Meaning if he had a hundred children and one left and one left to fall, he's not saying, well, you know what? I, got, I still got 99. He's 
said, wouldn't you put those 99, leave those 99 sheep as they are and go search and find the one? Which means this, if it would have been one person on planet Earth, the Father still would have sent Jesus to the cross. Then the second parable, let me finish that one. Hold on, hold on, hold on, I'm going too fast. So at the end of that parable, Jesus said that heaven rejoices more over one sinner coming back into the fold than 99 righteous. Then we have the parable of the lost coin, where the woman loses a coin. She didn't lose all her money, she lost a coin. And in losing that coin, she shut down everything, cleaned the whole house to find that coin. The Bible said that once she found this coin, she threw a party to celebrate the fact that she found a coin. What is Jesus doing with these parables? He's teaching us how the Father feels about us, about one individual. You have to know this. Because this story is not about a prodigal son. This story is about a father's love. A father's love for his children. One was selfish, one was immature. And the father's whole mindset was, I need to restore them. His whole mindset was I need to restore them. I need to bring them back to a place where they see who they are in me. These three things I want you to know. I want you to see out of this, this passage of scripture. One, the father only responded with love. He never brought up the fact that you took your inheritance and you wasted it. Oh, now you want to come back home after you eaten out of the pig pen. Oh, now you want to come back home. He never said that. He only responded with love. Second thing, the young son was given a robe, he was given rings, he was given sandals, and a party was thrown to celebrate him. So he restored him in a celebratory manner. He didn't put him on punishment. The third thing, the older son was restored to his position by being reminded that you have been with me and everything that I have already belongs to you. In returning home to his father's kingdom, he desired to be a servant, but instead he was given the royal treatment. Now, Adam left home with the inheritance. 
Adam left home with the inheritance. And watch this. We're just returning home. We're just returning home from what Adam did. That's why the purpose of this ministry, the purpose of this ministry is to reveal the truest intentions of God as a father. We don't want you to see him as being God. He was God to Moses. He was God to Elijah. To you, he's your father. And if you don't see it like this, you will live like them, thinking that every time you make a mistake, and as a matter of fact, it's been preached to you like that. How many of you heard, touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm? <laughs> what does that mean? When we are in Christ, Christ means the anointed one. When the Bible tells you Christ in you is the hope of glory, you are his anointed ones. So if he's talking to anyone, he's talking to people who are in Adam, saying, don't touch my children. He's not telling you, don't say nothing about the pastor. Because the pastor is the anointed one. If I'm the anointed one, then what are you? If I'm the anointed one, then this whole passage of scripture is about me. And y'all showed up to hear me talk about me. <laughs> How many of y'all heard the scripture of, of, of Moses and Marion preach when Marion, you know, she had something to say about Moses marrying a black woman, an Ethiopian woman? And as soon as she said it, God gave her leprosy, and the preacher had you thinking that as soon as you say something to him, now God going to cut off all your blessings and you might get leprosy. <laughs> it's a lie. God is your father. The Bible says we are, we are heirs of him and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, which means that he would only treat us how he would treat Jesus. Your circumstances, your situations, your downfall, your wayward ways. Watch this. When God created the covenant with man, and I say this often, but I got to keep saying it, continually reiterate it because it has to sink into your mind. When God created this covenant with us, he knew you were human. He knew it. He knew you had flesh issues. That's why he says there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. He knew you had fleshly issues. That's why he brought you in as his children. He knew you had mental issues. That's why Jesus said, I would not leave you orphans. Orphans imply that you've been living in an orphanage. And when you come out of an orphanage, the first thing that an orphan needs is what? Love. You have to love an orphan through the situations and circumstances they have just been through. That's why the Bible says that we have been born again. Born again implies that you are a baby in Christ. 
which means that you, if you're a newborn baby, you need to be raised. You need to go through the same stages. You don't come out of, the, the, uh, uh, out of your mother's womb and automatically you get whoopings for being bad. You have to be raised. You have to grow in Christ. That's why he implemented grace. And that's why a lot of preachers hate grace because they want, to, want you to focus on your sin. God knew you would have sin. Why? It's a part of growing up. Not saying that we should live in sin because grace exists, but grace exists because he wanted you to grow up without judgment. All right. Let every head.